right, welcome back, Spiritual Crusaders. I am super excited to jump into this lesson uh, here today. This is, uh, so if you haven't had a chance to obviously come check us out at spiritualcrusade.com, definitely do. Bring your friends, bring your family. We also have a Come Follow Me program that I really feel like is, is one of the best that's out there. We have three different parts to it. First of all, we have Debbie, who heads up a video every single week, covering the chapters for that week on the Come Follow Me. Then we have Sherry, who puts together a Come Follow Me weekly challenge every single week, which really covers the, the, the chapters, but focuses on a specific challenge that is just a, a, a unbelievable. And then what I do is I take Every week, I do a Come, Follow Me, Ponderize Scripture, and I really expand that, and I try to help to apply that to our life and have that Scripture come alive to you in a new way, in a new light. So it, again, all together, it's, a, it's an amazing program, so definitely come check us out. It actually has its own specific URL. If you want to go to it, you can just go to comefollowme.spiritualcrusade.com, and that'll take you right to the, spiritual, to the uh, Come, Follow Me uh, page and you can uh, check it all out from there well without any further ado then let's go ahead and jump into the lesson so we're actually covering two different talks here today we're going to be talking about holiness and the plan of the happiness by henry Bering, president henry Bering, and the joy of the saints by um, elder todd d um, christopherson i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> Elder D. Todd Christopherson. Sorry about that. Totally mixed that up there. But these are unbelievable talks. We're not going to cover them all today. I, I just I do not have the time to go through it all today. So we're just going to do a little bit of a, of a condensed version of these. But I'll tell you right now, go home and study these two talks. They are absolutely amazing. So... Starting off with, oh, by the way, too, I have this in all, in all my lessons. This is a URL that I specifically set up that is available to just check out that month's lesson. And so it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't really apply to, to you on the, on the uh, YouTube channel, but there it is in case you want it. <laughs> so the first talk is, hold on, I'm going to just touch on is Holiness and the Plan of Happiness by President Henry B. Eyring. They're actually going to go in pretty, depth, pretty good depth here. But question I want to ask to you is this. What does lasting happiness mean to you? We're not talking about, you know, short-term happiness or, you know, uh, the worldly happiness. We're talking about lasting happiness. What does that really mean to you? Think about that for a moment. Okay? Lasting happiness is something that is eternal. And we're gonna talk about where that comes from next. Henry Bjarne says, the lasting happiness, that is what Heavenly Father, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost have offered every spirit child of Heavenly Father who now lives, will live, or ever has lived in this world. And that's it, right? Lasting happiness is a gift. 
it is given by this by by God the Father, His Son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, right by the Godhead, and that's really the key to lasting happiness. Is it has to be given to us as a gift, right? It has to be centered in Christ, has to be founded upon those principles, and it has to be eternal, has to last through time. Next question, why can wickedness never be happiness? This is one that, that we just, you know, everyone struggles with. It's like, why can't we be happy in sin? Why can't we be happy in following after the lusts of the flesh, right? And, and that just is not the case. So we, we're going to start off, and here's, if you don't have your scriptures, I know you're probably watching this on your phone, but, or listening to it on your phone, but if you do have your scriptures, I would like for you to grab them. We are going to be spending so much time in the scriptures here today. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, unlock some exciting things for you in the scriptures. So the first one we're going to talk about is Alma talking to his son, giving him some, this, this, this counsel about um, wickedness and happiness, right? So this is Alma 41, 10 through 11. He says, do not suppose... Because it has been spoken concerning restoration, that ye shall be restored from sin to happiness. I think that's really, really, really important, really understanding what the word restoration really means, which we'll talk about. But then in bold, behold, I say unto you, wickedness never was happiness. And now, my son, all men that are in a state of nature, or I would say in a carnal state, are in the gall of bitterness and the bonds of iniquity. They are without God in the world and they have gone contrary to the nature of God. Therefore, they are in a state contrary to the nature of happiness. Right? That's interesting. The nature of God is the nature of happiness. So when we are living contrary to that, there's no way we can find eternal happiness. So this is where it gets fun. We're going to expound upon this. This is one thing I love about the scriptures is there's so much contained in there. When you find a scripture that you love, read, read the whole chapter. <laughs> you know, get the context of what is really being said. So we're going to go to Alma 41, 4 through 8. I'm just going to touch on the, 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 um, the, the sentences and things I have uh, in bold here just for sake of time. But go and, and study it all for yourself. He says, All things shall be restored to their proper order. Everything to its natural frame, mortality raised to immortality, corruption to incorruption, raised to endless happiness to inherit the kingdom of God or to endless misery to inherit the kingdom of the devil. The one on the one hand, the other on the other. One is raised to happiness according to his desire of happiness, and the other to evil according to his desire of evil. If he hath repented of his sins and desired righteousness unto the end of his days, 
even so he shall be restored unto righteousness. Hopefully you're, you're catching the key to this here is desire, right? That's the first key. We have to desire happiness. We have to desire to repent of our sins and, and keep that, that obedience to the end of our days. Then we shall be given, right there, we shall be rewarded unto righteousness. Then in seven, these are they that are redeemed of the Lord. Yea, these are they that are taken out, that are delivered from the en that, that endless night of darkness. I love those phrases, right? They're taken out. Those that are redeemed of the Lord are taken out. They're removed from the endless night of darkness. And thus they stand or fall. For behold, they are their own judges, whether to do good or to do evil. Verse 8. The way is prepared that whosoever will may walk therein and be saved. I love eight. Oh, it gets exciting because, listen, look at the footnote. Footnote, talking about walk, refers to walking with God. So, the way is prepared that whosoever will, right? We must will it. It must be our desire. It must be our, our treasure, right, of our heart. If we desire, if we will, now will is both in desire and actions, right? Then we may walk with God. I want you to think about that. What do you desire? Do you desire to your life? Right? Do you desire to go to work and to, to come home? And, you know, do you des desire that? Or do you desire something greater? Do you want to walk with God? Something to ponder. He taught his son, and this is uh, President Eyring, that increasing in holiness was the only path to happiness. He made it plain that greater holiness is made possible through the atonement of Jesus Christ, cleansing and perfecting us. Only by faith in Jesus Christ, continuing repentance, and keeping covenants are we able to claim the lasting happiness we all yearn to experience and retain. Right? That's it. It is through increased holiness. It is through faith in Jesus Christ, continued repentance, repentance and keeping our covenants that we are able to claim that lasting happiness and experience it for ourselves. President Eyring says, my prayer for today, I just love it. I love this picture. I mean, he just makes me happy. I, I love Eyring so much. And that's actually why I named my son, my, my only son. Uh, I, have, I have nine girls, but, but one boy, but I named my son after um, Iring, so his, uh, just because I love him so much. But he says, my prayer for today is that I may help you understand that greater happiness comes from greater personal holiness so that you will act upon that belief. That's right there so powerful. He wants us to take action. He wants us not to just like, oh, that's a good idea. No, no. He wants us to take action today, right now, today. What can you do to be more holy? What can you do to increase your holiness? 
Then he says, I will then share what I know for myself about what we can do to qualify for that gift of becoming ever more holy. What he knows, not what he believes, not what he thinks, what he knows for himself. Remember back to Alma. Alma said that he knew for himself, right? Because he saw God and he experienced that cleansing power. So he is going to share with us a little bit about what he knows for himself. And he's going to do it through scripture as well. And that's what, we're, that's what I'm really excited about to jump into. So he then says this, and I kept the little, the little number um, footnote there to show you how many scriptures he references in this one little paragraph. Here's what the paragraph says. The scriptures teach us that among other things, we can be sanctified or become more holy when we exercise faith in Christ demonstrate our obedience, repent, sacrifice for him, receive sacred ordinances, and keep our covenants with him. Qualifying for the gift of holiness requires humility, meekness, and patience. Now, I kept the footnotes here because we're going to do something a little bit different. Have you ever wanted to get inside the mind of an apostle? Have you ever wanted to see what are they thinking? What are they, you know, what drives them? What motivates them? What gets them excited? We're going to find out right now what gets President Irene excited because it's very important to note. And whenever you see a scripture that is referenced by an apostle, go to that scripture because there's lots of different scriptures to talk about faith. There's lots of scriptures talk about obedience or, or, or repentance or whatever it may be. But the ones that they choose and they select have extreme importance in our life. And they tell a whole story in and of themselves. So we're going to do that right now. So again, grab your scriptures. We're going to spend some exciting time here in the scriptures. We're going to start with faith. Oh, this, this, this says experiment here. So the experiment that I, I, I didn't have time to do in my, my um, class, but I wanted to do was I wanted to invite two, three volunteers actually up. And I was going to have two volunteers that were uh, salesmen that were persuasive go on either side of the room and one, one person would stand in the middle. And I was going to have them take turns. They, they could visualize whatever scene they wanted to, wherever they wanted to be at. And then they would take, they would take the opportunity to persuade or convince or influence the person in the middle to go one way or the other way, okay? So I thought that would have been kind of fun to see how that played out. But then I was going to apply that to life. That's what we go through every day. On one side, we have God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, and the plan of salvation, and eternal life on one side, right? With all of its amazing, lasting and eternal happiness. On the other side, we have Satan and all that he has set up, his whole world um, and, and his whole dominion upon this world of immediate gratification, right? That, so you had both, both forces that are pulling at us at all times, trying to persuade us one way or the other. And we must turn and face and move toward the one that we want, right? It's not just enough to just to just sit in the middle and be like, oh, okay. No, if we want Christ, we have to turn. We have to turn and move toward him. And that was kind of the point of the exercise. As you saw the person in the middle turn and move toward 
the the one that seemed most enticing, that would that would show how with our faith we must turn and move in that direction. So uh, pretty pretty fun exciting exciting experiment, but I didn't get a chance to do it. So uh, anyway. So the first one is we can be sanctified or become more holy when we exercise faith in Christ. Two scriptures, Acts 26, 18 and Ether 4, 7. So let's start with the first one. And for sake of time, again, I'm going to mostly focus on the bold section that I have highlighted here. So again, Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So, first of all, to open their eyes. Think about that. You may always hear in the scriptures, awaken, arise. What is that? It's an opening your eyes to the truth. Our faith must open our eyes to the truth, and then we must turn we must turn. We must not stay lukewarm. Isaiah says that lukewarm means to spew you out by the mouth, right? We don't, we can't stay lukewarm. We must turn to Christ. We must turn from darkness to light and move toward that direction with our eyes open to the truth. And then the bottom there, sanctified by faith that is in me. That we must be sanctified through our faith. We must overcome by faith in Jesus Christ. Last night, I was thinking about it. uh, Just Anyway, one thought that came to my mind is self-mastery, but a better word for that is faith mastery. (laughs) Cool, huh? I mean, it's really like, it's it's not us changing because we can only change so much. Right? A hair of our heads we can't change. But Christ, through faith in him, we can become new creatures in Christ. Our whole creature, not just one hair, our whole creature can trick and change to be a creature in Christ. We can be born again and be babes in Christ and be nurtured by him and be cultivated and developed to become like him. So kind of cool. So instead of of self-mastery, let's change that to faith mastery. Anyway, kind of cool. All right, Ether 4-7. Exercise in that day that they shall exercise faith in me, saith the Lord, even as the brother of Jared did, that they may become sanctified in me. Then will I manifest unto them the things which the brother of Jared saw, even to the unfolding unto them all my revelations. Okay, saith Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of the heavens and the earth, and all things that in them are. When President Eyring looked at all the scriptures on faith that he could have, he had access to, and all of the the whole, you know, uh, quad works. Right, Holy, Old Testament, New Testament, Book of Mormon, DNC, Pearl of Great Price, of all of those, talking about faith all throughout, he chose Ether 4-7, well, the other one too, but specifically this one, talking about faith like unto or even as the brother of Jared, so that we can become sanctified in him 
and then will he manifest unto them the things which the brother of Jared saw. It, which, which, which the scripture says that there were, there were none greater. Well, you know, than, than what brother Jared saw. Do you want that? Do you want to understand the mysteries of God? Do you want to be sanctified in Christ and become an instrument in his hands? We must develop the faith of brother of Jared. And our, our an apostle of Jesus Christ, even in the, in the uh, first, uh, first presidency of the church, is telling us that this is our mission. This is available to us. Let us seek after it. Let us feel after us. Let it feel after it. Let us obtain it. Think about that for a, for a while there. Next, we can be sanctified and become holy when we demonstrate our obedience. This is Doctrine and Covenants eighty eight thirty four. And again, verily I say unto you, that which is governed by law is also preserved by law and perfect, perfected and sanctified by the same. What is the law? DNC 88 is unreal. We're going to spend some time here. So let's go and take a look at what the law is. We're going to be in DNC 88.13. And he starts off and says, the light. Now, I have a reference here. Verse 7 actually identifies this as the light of Christ. So light of Christ, which is in all things, which giveth life to all things, which is the law by which all things are governed, even the power of God. So the law is the light of Christ. That is what governs all things. Huge. Light of Christ. Now, President Ram Romney, I've shared this before, but it is just it's so good, so good. Talking about it in a talk he gave titled The Light of Christ. He says, there are three phases. And by the way, this talk is so good. Go, go find this talk. It's called The Light of Christ by, by uh, President uh, Miriam G. Romney. So, so, so good. But he says, there are three phases of the light of Christ that I want to mention. The first one is the light which enlighteneth every man that cometh into the world. Right? That's our conscience. We were given that light of Christ when we were born. It will lead us to truth. It will guide and direct us back to the Father. Do not just think of your conscience as something you can put away. You are, set, you are talking, you are saying no to Christ Ponder on that one. Our conscience is the light of Christ. It is a gift given to us. Second, the second phase is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Right? When we receive that gift of the Holy Ghost, we are given greater light of Christ. Right? We, like a light bulb, right? <laughs> the first one is like a 40 watt, whatever. The Holy Ghost is like a 70 watt. And the third is the more sure word of prophecy. That's the 100-watt light bulb. I don't know if there's a greater light than that, but <laughs> whatever the highest light bulb is, it's that one. And I should think that all faithful Latter-day Saints... Oh, and by the way, word of prophecy is, is the second comforter. 
it is a calling like she made sure, right? Just to kind of make sure that's all, all on the same page there. I should think that all faithful Latter-day Saints would want that more sure word of prophecy, that they were sealed in the heavens and had the promise of eternal life in the kingdom of God. Then he closes with these words, that the Lord will bless all of us priesthood bearers. And of course, this is not given to just priesthood bearers. This happened to, talk, happened to be given uh, to the priesthood. This is given to all who come unto Christ, right? Male, female, youth, old, right? It doesn't matter. Bond free. So given to us that we will so understand these great truths that in the end, we shall, by making our calling election sure, enjoy the full light of Christ. Full light of Christ. Oh my goodness. Do we not want the full light of Christ glowing within, within us? That's when the scriptures talk about that he is in us and we in him, just like God is in Christ and Christ is in God, right? We will have the full light of Christ. That is exciting. If nothing else is exciting, that should be moving for you. The, uh, we're going to move to 88, 22 through 24. We're just going to read 22, actually. For he who is not able to abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. So we talked about first is a desire, right? A desire to change, desire to want righteousness. And this is exactly why. Because if we cannot abide the law of the celestial kingdom, we cannot abide a celestial glory. It's impossible. We must learn to live the law of the celestial kingdom and love it. Because then will we qualify to abide a celestial glory. The next two verses talking about the different one, right? Each law must be abided, right? For that kingdom, terrestrial, telestial, right? In order to obtain that. But we must learn to, we're not going to talk about the others because we want the celestial kingdom, right? We must learn to abide, live, and love the law of the celestial kingdom. And then we will be able to abide a celestial glory. We're going to go to uh, same chapter 88, 27 through 31 in bold. So notwithstanding they die, they also shall rise again, a spiritual body, which we know that, but let's, let's, let's get to the meat here. They are, they who are of a celestial spirit shall receive the same body, which was a natural body. Now let's pause there for a second. Natural body. Remember we talked about the nature of God, the nature of happiness. Why is that? Because it's our natural body. Right? We are celestial bodies. We are here on this earth to be tested. Not because we're earthy, not because we're worldly. We are here as strangers, as imposters, if you will. Right? We're not supposed to be here. We, well, we are to be tested, of course, but this is not our state. We are to be, we, our natural state is a celestial body. So let's be restored into the celestial kingdom, okay? So that we can be restored to our natural body, our natural frame, our natural state. So if we don't qualify for the celestial kingdom, we are choosing to downgrade ourselves, 
I'm not okay with that. <laughs> then he goes on. Even ye shall receive your bodies, and your bo- and your your glory shall be that glory by which your bodies are quickened. So you've got desire for righteousness. You have to learn to abide that law to abide the glory. And then we're taught that your bodies are quickened by that glory, right? So you will receive the glory by which you are quickened, which we just learned is the, the law that you've lived, right? The law that you've lived will determine what spirit can quicken, what, what, your, what your bodies will be quickened by, right? Ye who are quickened by a portion of the celestial glory shall then receive of the same even a fullness. And then it goes on to talk about how you're, if you're quickened by a telestial, you'll receive the fullness and the telestial, so forth. Again, we are quickened by the glory that we will obtain and that we've learned to live by and learned to love and have desired with all of our hearts. All right, 33, 8833. This is where I just, it, it, it almost hurts sometimes thinking about this. So here's what it says. For what doth it profit a man if a gift is bestowed upon him and he receive not the gift? Think about when you gave a gift maybe to one of your children who kind of put their nose up at the gift, right? Thought that it was below them or wasn't good enough or whatever it may be. Behold, he rejoices not in that which is given unto him, neither rejoices in him who is the giver of the gift. We have been given the gift of the light of Christ. Those that, are, that have been in, in the church that have been baptized and have been given the gift of the Holy Ghost, we have been given a greater gift, a greater level of light of the light of Christ. What are we going to do with that gift? Is it going to bless us? Are we going to rejoice in him who is the giver of the gift? Or are we not? Are we going to silence that light within us? Are we going to choose our own will? Are we going to to choose a worldly existence, something lower than our natural state, lower than our natural body, lower than, than that which we should be, which we're destined to become. Right? Let's not live below our privileges, as President Udorf mentions. Right? Let us enjoy the gift. Let us receive it. Let us use it. Let us grow it, develop it. Let us learn to listen and to hear and to obey right? And then we will rejoice in him who is the giver of the gift. Next, we can be sanctified or become more holy when we repent. This is 3 Nephi 27, 19 through 20. So remember also that verses 13 through 20 are Christ's gospel. So this is, this is the end of Christ talking about what his gospel is in bold. No unclean thing can enter into his kingdom. 
nothing entereth into his rest. And then DNC 88 or 84, 24 says that his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Right? So nothing can enter his kingdom or enter the fullness of his glory, save it be those who have washed their garments in my blood because of their faith and the repentance of all their sins and their faithfulness unto the end. <coughs> he says, we must repent, <clears throat> we must baptize, and then that ye may be sanctified by the reception of the Holy Ghost, which we just talked about how powerful that can be. Right, three phases of that reception of the light of Christ, and that the Holy Ghost is the middle phase. That's what really guides and directs us to the third phase, which is that more sure word of prophecy. Right, having our calling elections made sure so that we can truly become an unstoppable instrument in the hands of the Lord. Next, we can be sanctified or become more holy when we sacrifice for him. So this is a uh, DNC 132.50. Now, I'm actually going to start in 49. So let's start there. In bold, I am the Lord thy God and will be with thee even unto the end of the world and through all eternity. For verily I seal upon you your exaltation and prepare a throne for you in the kingdom of my father with Abraham your father. Right? So he sealed. So he sealed upon got his exaltation. Here, Joseph Smith got his calling election made sure. I have seen your sacrifices and will forgive all your sins. I have seen your sacrifices in, to, in obedience to that which I have told you. Go therefore, and I make a way for your escape as I accepted the offering of Abraham of his son Isaac. This whole chapter is just full of just exciting, powerful doctrine. I would encourage you to read this entire chapter. It is just so, so good. But remember, this is what, going back, this is what President Eyring, oh, where'd he go? There we go. So talking about sacrifice for him, he chose this. Right? This verse, which is when Joseph Smith received his, his calling election made sure. When he had everything sealed upon him, he got the sealing power, everything. I have seen your sacrifices and I will forgive all your sins. I have seen your sacrifice in obedience to that which I told you. Just as Abraham was accepted, he's accepted. And guess what? We have that too. We have the same opportunity, the same opportunity. What's the scripture say? The Lord's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have the same opportunity available to us. Let us sacrifice for him. Let us obtain our exaltation, right? And our calling election made sure. Let us be sealed, our exaltation sealed upon our heads through our sacrifice in him, for him, right? Which is through our obedience right there and repenting of all our, all our sins. Okay, next one. We can be sanctified <clears throat> or become more holy when we receive sacred ordinances and keep our covenants with him. DNC 97.8. <clears throat> We're gonna do eight and nine 
again in bold, who know you, um, he said, who know their hearts are honest and are broken <clears throat> and their spirits are contrite. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Can't seem to get that. <clears throat> and are willing to observe their covenants <clears throat> by sacrifice. Yea, every sacrifice which I, the Lord, shall command, they are accepted of me. Nine, for I, the Lord, <clears throat> will cause them to bring forth as a very fruitful tree, which is planted in a goodly land by a pure stream that yieldeth much precious fruit. Can that's listen to that? I mean, wouldn't we? Wouldn't you want to be planted <laughs> in a good land with pure stream and yield much fruit? What does the scripture say? Some will yield thirtyfold, some will yield sixtyfold, and some will yield a hundredfold. I don't know about you, but I want to yield a hundredfold for the might for my God and my my Christ. Right? That's what this is all about. Right? When we have when our hearts are honest are broken, our spirits are contrite. We're willing to observe their covenants by sacrifice. Every sacrifice which I, the Lord, shall command, they are accepted of me. Ponder that one. <clears throat> Next, qualifying for the gift of holiness requires humility. <clears throat> this is Helaman 3.35. <clears throat> Nevertheless, they did fast and pray oft. And it waxed stronger and stronger in their humility and firmer and firmer in the faith of Christ unto the filling their souls with joy and consolation, yea, even to the purifying and sanctification of their hearts, which sanctification cometh because of their yielding their hearts unto God. Do you want to grow stronger and stronger in your humility? And firmer and firmer in your Christ, in, 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 no, your, in your faith in Christ, we must yield our hearts to God. We must yield our hearts to God. We talked about that before with the light of Christ. Our conscience. Do not put away your conscience. Because if you do, guess what? You're not yielding your heart to God. You're yielding your heart to the adversary or to your own will. We want to yield our hearts unto God. We must be open, listen. We must be receptive <clears throat> to those promptings. And guess what? Take action. Take action. Be obedient. That is how we yield our hearts unto God. And that's how we will wax stronger and stronger in their humility. Because of our sanctification, right? Because we're being sanctified in Christ. Next, qualifying for the gift of holiness requires meekness. DNC 101, 1 through 5. In bold. Verily I say unto you, <clears throat> concerning your brethren who have been afflicted and perse persecuted and cast out. We're going to jump to verse 3. Yet I will own them and they shall be mine in that day when I shall come to make up my jewels. Therefore, they must needs be chastened and tried even as Abraham. 
who was commanded to offer up his only son. For all those who will not endure chastening but deny me cannot be sanctified. This is so powerful. This is a stumbling block for so many people. I just, I actually uh, wrote a little post on, put it on Facebook today, <clears throat> talking about this, right? We feel like if we're obeying the gospel, you know, the, the commandments, if we're living right, we should have happiness, almost like we're entitled to it. And, you know, people argue, well, if God loves us, then he'll, he'll help it, let us be happy because we're supposed to be happy. Well, and I, I, don't, I don't disagree at all. Absolutely. We, we are. Man, are they might have joy, right? We are here to have joy and happiness. But let me ask you this question. This is what I said on the Facebook post. A, a mother hen watching her baby chick try to crack out of the, the shell. Should the mother hen, just because that chick is struggling, open the shell for that chick? As you know, the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> right? Science shows <clears throat> that that struggle for that little baby chick is absolutely required to develop the strength necessary to survive. If the mother hen comes in and removes that shell, makes it easy for that baby chick, that chick will, will most likely die. We too are like the baby chick. <laughs> we might think we're, we're old and mature. No, no, no. <clears throat> we're told that we are embryos of God, right? We are, we are to become like God. We are just like the baby chick. We are in our shells. And guess what? Our shells require suffering, chastisement, right? We must be tried even as Abraham, right there in the scriptures, even as Abraham was tried. If we want celestial glory, we must learn to abide a celestial law. We must develop that, that um, ability to abide that law. <clears throat> that only comes through chastening and be in trials. That's it. And right there, last one. All those who will not endure chastening but deny me cannot be sanctified. Right there in black and white. Let us love our trials. Let us embrace our struggles. Because guess what? We are becoming godlike. Let us exercise great faith in Christ and, um, and, and take joy in our, our suffering and our afflictions and become more like, more like um, Christ. Okay. Okay, qualifying for the <clears throat> gift of holy of the holiness requires patience. <clears throat> this is, a, uh, there's actually two here. One is uh, 1 John 3, 2 through 3, and then D&C 112, 13. So let's go to John first. Beloved, now are we the sons of God? 
and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. <clears throat> but we know that when we when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. And you're like, how the heck does that mean patience, right? <laughs> this is an apostle of God sharing with you a powerful scripture on patience. Right here, we now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Right? We can't tell. We're here on earth. We can't tell what we are really, but we have hope. And then verse three, he, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. Right? That hope is in Christ. If we have that hope in Christ, guess what? Remember, faith, hope, and charity, they all go together like a, a cycle, right? If we have that great hope in Christ, then our faith is going to be increased in, in him. And when our faith is increased in Christ, our faith, true faith, take, is, creates action. We take action to become like Christ, to act upon that faith. Our obedience proves our faith in Christ, which proves our hope in him. And when, when we do all of those things, guess what? We become pure, purified, right? We become pure even as he is pure. So everyone that hath this hope in him, which is that domino effect. If you have this hope, you have this faith. If you have this faith, you have that action. If you have that action, you have that obedience. If you have that obedience, you have that purification. Cool, huh? Pretty cool. Anyway, a lot to focus on there. DNC 112, 13 through 14 in bold. I, the Lord, will feel after them. Um, actually, let me say it first of all. Uh, start at the beginning. After and after their temptations and much tribulation. Right? After our temptations and tribulations. Behold, I, the Lord, will feel after them. And if they harden not their hearts and stiffen not their necks against me, they shall be converted. I will heal them. 14. Arise and gird up your loins. Take up your cross. Follow me and feed my sheep. There is so much here. First and foremost, after much temptation and tribulation. There, there comes the patience part, right? We have to be patient in our temptations, patient in our tribulations. Then I, the Lord, will fill after them. And if they harden not their hearts, this goes back to the law of the celestial kingdom, the light of Christ. That's when you harden your hearts, you harden your heart against the light of Christ against our conscience, against the Holy Ghost. We choose our own will versus the will of the Father. We ignore that voice. We harden our hearts against the words of Christ. So if we harden not our hearts and stiffen not our necks, meaning we be humble, we be humble and knowing that only through Christ and his sanctifying power can we be lifted up. Can we be changed to that new creature, right? We have no power to do it ourselves. We must humble ourselves before God. Then 
shall we be converted and healed. Healed. Amazing. Remember, we are not our celestial body, right? Our natural state is our celestial is our celestial body. So when he heals us, he brings us back to that ultimately to that state. Kind of cool. Now, but in the in number four, gird up your loins, take up your cross. Now, gird up your loins is you don't gather. Uh, when they say that, it means gather up your 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 skirt, your loins, whatever, but you have the, the the clothing, and be ready, be prepared, be excited. For what lies ahead, right? Be ready. Take up your cross. He's telling us it's not going to be easy. Discipleship is not easy because we must be tried even as Abraham was. But if we harden our hearts, we follow Christ and we feed his sheep, right? We bring other souls to Christ. Um, we will be sanctified. So exciting. So exciting. All right, now uh, we're going to now jump into the next talk, The Joy of the Saints, Elder D. Todd Christofferson. By the way, you must go back and read all of Iring's talk because it's just jam-packed full of goodness. Now we get to D. Todd Christofferson's talk here. And he says, President Russell M. Nelson spoke of joy. Among other things, he said, the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. Oh man, that's awesome. When we focus our lives, when the focus of our lives is on God's plan of salvation and Jesus Christ and his gospel, we can feel joy regardless of what is happening or not happening in our lives. Joy comes from and be, sorry, joy comes from and because of him. For Latter-day Saints, Jesus Christ is joy. Now, I was just read that uh, that uh, first little bold section here again. The joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. So powerful. Think about that. You've, there, there's a, you've heard that, that uh, uh, quote or thought that what you focus on grows, right? That what you focus on grows. Here it is. What we focus on, what's the focus of our lives, is what matters. If we focus upon Christ and his gospel, we will find joy regardless of what we're going through. It is, and that's from, that's from our prophet. Let that really sink in for you. Um, Elder Christopherson continues, and I'm just going to read here in the bold, the joy of saints denotes the joy of becoming Christ-like. And, and this talks about, you know, entering into the gospel covenant through baptism and striving to follow with Christ. We, as we follow in his footsteps, as we keep covenants with him, we become like him. And that is joyful. Why? Because we're becoming who we really are. <laughs> like we learned in from President Eyring's talk. 
our natural state. We are striving to become our natural celestialized self. That is where we find joy. He continues, he says, we live in a hedonistic age. And by the way, hedonistic means a pleasure seeker. Um, really mostly a central self-indulgence. And so we live in a hedonistic age when many question the importance of the Lord's commandments or simply ignore them. Not infrequently, people who flout divine directives such as the law of chastity, the standard of honesty, and the holiness of the Sabbath seem to prosper and enjoy the good things of life, at times even more so than those who are striving to be obedient. Some begin to wonder if the effort and sacrifices are worth it. The ancient, and we won't read that, but you can read that yourself. But then I'm going to jump down here to the bold. Just wait, saith the Lord, until that day when I make up my jewels, then shall ye discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. The wicked may have joy in their works for a season, but it is always temporary. The joy of the saints is enduring. Remember, this life is a small little pebble. It's not even a pebble. You know, you've heard the analogy, you take a string and you just string it up as far as you can go and you tie a little teeny knot in it. That's it. That's this life's existence. So, it may seem like, like those that are not living the commandments are, start, are, are, are flourishing and prospering, but they have joy for a season. And then will they lament, right? So I think that's so important. Remember, wait until the Lord makes up his jewels. Then we will have um, joy. We'll see, see the difference there. He continues, and just in bold, but as we strive to overcome these challenges with the Savior's help, it preserves both the joy we feel now and the joy we anticipate. And it's talks, talking about, you know, as we faithfully keep the commandments, our trials and our tragedies seem to interrupt our joy. Sorry about that. But... Through the Savior's help, right? It preserves the joy we feel now and that we anticipate. It is turning to Him, obeying Him, binding ourselves to Him, that trial and sorrow are turned to joy. Those are a couple important things, three things there, right? We talked about that. Turning to Him. Here's another apostle talking about turning. It's not good enough for us to just be like, oh yeah, that's, that's, I feel good about that. No, no, we have to turn away from darkness to light to him and follow him and then obey him and bind ourselves to him. How do we do that? Through our covenants, through keeping our covenants, our baptismal covenants, our temple covenants, right? Covenants you have made with, with the Lord personally. That's how we find joy. Now, as accountable beings, we find joy in overcoming misery in whatever form, whether it be sin, trial, weakness, or any other obstacle to happiness. This is the joy of sensing progress in the path of discipleship. 
the joy of having received the remission of sins and having peace of conscience, the joy of feeling one's soul expand and grow through the grace of Christ. Think of a project that you had to really, truly work hard on, that had all kinds of obstacles you had to overcome. And when you finally finished that product, or project, sorry, project, and you saw the completed work, and, and just, I mean, what joy filled your soul, right? What happiness filled your soul? I, I, I remember a, I was making in high school, I made a, out of clay, you know, on a, a turning table, a, a beautiful sculpture, it was a big old goblet, very fancy, all these little curves and handles and, and everything. And I remember it was, it was amazing. And my, my teacher just thought that it was, it was just one of the best in the, in the class. And, and that he, that, uh, but it, one day it, it just crumbled, right? It just all, all fell apart. But, and it was so sad for me at first. But my teacher came and says, no, no, you got an A. <laughs> He's like, you got it, you got it full, you got full all credit for that that piece. It was it was it was marvelous, right? And it that it was just it was amazing to realize that even though hardship, even though it didn't pan out physically for me, I still got the reward. Right? That's the joy. That's that's the joy that we feel by through overcoming through through Christ. So next, other Christofferson quotes. President Russell M. Nelson. And I'm going to actually also close with this quote. As in all things, Jesus Christ is our ultimate exemplar, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That is Hebrews 12, 2, quoted by the prophet. And he says, think of it. In order for him to endure the most excruciating experience ever endured on earth, our Savior focused on joy. Oh, it's amazing. And what was the joy that was set before him? Surely it included the joy of cleansing, healing, and strengthening us. The joy of paying for the sins of all who would repent. The joy of making it possible for you and me to return home clean and worthy to live with our heavenly parents and families. The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It is just amazing. And what joy did he, was it, was it instant gratification joy? No, it was eternal joy, the joy that lasted through time. That's what we want. We want that joy. And so let us focus on joy. Let us turn to the Savior. Let us obey his word. Let us listen to the spirit, the light of Christ within us, the law of the celestial kingdom. Let us live worthy to abide by that law so that that spirit can sanctify us, that we can become celestialized beings, that we can be saved we can become our natural self. Right? Our, our, we can become like Jesus Christ and like the Father. And I say these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.